Well, friends, it's almost Christmas, and for many of us, that means a classic Christmas movie. I don't know about you, but in our house, that might mean Elf. That might mean one of the versions of The Grinch. Actually, I'm partial to the 2018 version now that I think about it. Oh, interesting. Or maybe it means, you know, a little claymation Rankin and Bass with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You can't lose with those classics. I get that. But when it comes to the granddaddy Christmas movies of all time, we're going to have to go a bit further back than that. Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, if you've listened to The Plugged In Show for a while, you've probably heard me make a particular confession that I've never seen what pretty much everyone agrees is the Christmas movie. It's a wonderful life. Now you might be thinking, nope, that's not it. It's actually Miracle on 34th Street. Well, turns out we figured out recently that Paul A.C. had not seen a Miracle on 34th Street. Shameful. So Mm -hmm. we thought it would be super fun if we each watched one of these two heavyweight Christmas classics and compared notes on why these movies are the films that pretty much everybody agrees you know, these are the Christmas classics, right, Paul? Exactly. Thank you. That's probably the last time you're going <laughs> to agree with me yes, yes. in this podcast. That's your Christmas but I, gift. That's but your I like Christmas to, gift for I like me. to set it Agreeing up once. And even though Kristen Smith is a lot younger than uh, each of us, yes. it turns out she apparently got the memo on these two movies before we did. She has seen both of them. Kristen will be joining us to add color commentary and no doubt correcting us when we get Can't wait. you know too far off the trail here um and and hopefully we won't fight too much because i think there are so many great things to talk about i'm assuming in yours cuz my other confession is i haven't seen it either oh my goodness but i'm oh getting there goodness. i'm getting there one at a time one at a time and in our second segment we'll deal with another old story but one that's just now making its way to the big screen for the first time it's called the boys in the boat Turns out it's not about fishing. I thought maybe it was a fishing movie, <laughs> no, but about no the rowing competition in the 1936 Olympics and some incredible things that happened there. Well, we'd also like to take this moment to let you know that the Plugged In Show is a production of Focus on the Family, and we are a donor-supported ministry. So if you enjoy our conversations each week as much as apparently we do, we would love it <laughs> if you'd make a donation to help us keep bringing you the show week after week. And be sure you subscribe to Plugged In wherever you get your podcasts. And definitely tell your friends about us too. That is the best way to keep growing this thing that we call the Plugged In Show. Well, no further ado, let's dive in. As you've probably already figured out, it's me, Paul, and Kristen today. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. So today we're talking about two really famous movies that Paul and I hadn't seen before this week. What other big movie would people be surprised to hear that you have never seen? So more confessions. Exciting, exciting. Confessions. Okay, Who I want to go, go first? first. Okay, it's Kristen. So I had to say this because, okay, all right, I'm going to like go off of your, your question, but like change it a little. Shocker. And, and <laughs> so I've like- I sort- didn't bring my cat herding hat this morning, <laughs> but go ahead. I've sort of seen it, but I fell asleep in theaters watching Rogue One. Oh, what? What? It was so boring. Oh my word. <laughs> it kept you know going on. You're coming at me and I'm going to come at you, okay? It's coming right back at you in a minute. And I've never finished it and I don't care to. And that is my confession. 
Okay, wow. well, before giving my confession, I need to <laughs> respond, perhaps in a not particularly saintly way to yours. This is like seriously fighting words for, for Adam. I know, I'm sorry. No, Every gonna... time he thinks of something great, he says, oh, that was almost as good as Rogue One. Oh. Yeah. It's my second favorite Star Wars oh movie. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And maybe if I gave it a chance again, I'd like it, but I'm well, going to no, tell you I right now. Well, no, I think the damage is done here. I think you so called too. it boring. <laughs> Fell asleep in the theater. Probably I don't watch Andor then if you thought Rogue One was boring. Oh, Andor is so Andor good. Andor is the best. So good. Anyway, I digress. Yours? And Kristen, uh-huh. as Providence would have it this morning... You are going to respond to my choice the same way I responded to yours because you know what movie I have not seen. What? Mean Girls. What? Uh Uh-huh. It's the most quote. Have you seen all the Walmart commercials this year? They're all mean girls. And as a a cultural maven, I have a vague sense of when something is drawing from something and I may know what it is, but I haven't. Oh, no. I haven't actually seen it. As far as content issues are concerned, you're, you're in the right here with Rogue One. I mean, hats off to you. But I'm going to tell you right now, Mean Girls is a weird classic, but I feel like everyone needs to watch. Yeah. I probably don't, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I have that. not seen it. Well, anyway. Paul, bring us home. Can you split the difference between Rogue One and Mean Girls? So this was a really, really difficult question. Because you've seen so all I'm, movies. I'm going to let Kristen answer for me. What? What is the greatest rom-com ever? Don't do this. I don't know. It's too early for me to answer this. Never seen what? A classic rom com. Which well, one? Well, it's got to be one of the two, right? Either Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail. If it's You've Got Mail, I cannot look at you. So it better not be. You've Got oh. Mail. No, it's oh. not. Never You've saw never it. seen <laughs> You've Got Mail? Are you never out of saw your it. mind? No. It's about a time when our computers would say, You've Got Mail. I was an exciting time. This movie every single year. No, rom coms and I do not get along. But it's good. It's not. I, it doesn't matter to Paul. Oh. I'm not defending you, Paul. You've I'm still got hurt mail. over as Star Wars. As soon as I see the, the posters, I think this is not my type of movie. <laughs> and I just move away. I, will, I go on. I to shall not else. watch it. Yes. It's Meg Ryan, right? Grinch. Well, are, don't they all star Meg Ryan? Oh wow. don't my goodness! Every single doesn't every single rom com star Meg I Ryan? I think most of them. Yeah, yeah, at least for up to a certain point. I, and then after that, they were irrelevant. I shouldn't have been invited to this. Right. <laughs> no, but now that you know you're riled up, I can't wait to see what you contribute to our our bigger conversation. But before we talk about it's a wonderful life and miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I want to ask our listening audience, what about you? What is the biggest movie you feel like everyone has seen but you? And a bonus question would be, who in your family would it make really angry if you made that confession? (laughs) I'd really like to know that. It feels like we've had a lot of passion here already this morning. (laughs) <laughs> which, which bodes well for our main segment, which is starting right now. I want to, I want to start our conversation today with um, the confession that, up until recently, you know, the oppositional defiant part of my personality is alive and well. <laughs> no. And I've always sort of secretly loved being able to say, "Yeah, I, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life," but now I've seen it, so I got to just park that that whole thing and. Turns out I thought it was pretty great, but I don't want to start there. It is pretty great. And honestly, I feel like I should be leading this podcast because I'm the one that's seen (laughs) all of these movies and I'm the youngest and I always get hazed. 
for like my cultural like I, I have no cultural awareness apparently in this group and well, you guys are just that's generally true I mean well but Kristen take it away in this I now, particular I now dub you leader of this this conversation leave. no I just, it's wild to me I'm hearing you guys saying you've never seen these movies and you've had like what 50 plus years Longer. to watch them? You Longer. know what? Here's the thing, Kristen. We are paid to watch movies that no one else watches for the most part, right? We see, Paul's getting we defensive. We see so <laughs> about the hundreds job. of movies during the course of the year. We don't have time to go back and see the classics. Oh, yeah, that's true. I wonder what you do in your spare time. Not watch those movies. Not watch- we're, not, we're not watching Mean <laughs> Girls and You've Got stuff. Mail, apparently. Right. You know, we play with our children. We pull taffy. We read the Bible. <laughs> we play with our we... children. Our grown children. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Paul, your son's 35, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like we're... Do we do it? I, no, I no. I, no, I, I think we're okay. We're just going to press on here. Because okay. part of the fun of the Plugged In show is is going off-roading, okay? But now we're going to get back on the road. Yes, Commander. Okay? Yes. Okay. And Paul... Yes. So. Yes, Adam. Miracle on 34th Street. What'd you think? I really. Wait, which li- one? Miracle on. No, 34th the real Street. one. Oh, okay. Why did the you just one. say it like that? There are two. Anyway. There are two. Okay. There Sorry. are two. Oh, I meant the original. <laughs> and if you count all the TV reproductions, yes, exactly. you know, there's like 14. Okay. There's 14. The original. The original 1947 the Miracle on 34th gotcha. Street. I enjoyed. Much more than I thought I would. Yeah. You know, I okay, think- so let's talk about why did you think you wouldn't enjoy it? The Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was very nicely done. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell so, us why. One of the things about these classic movies, right, is they have become so much of a part of our culture. It's not so much that you think, I don't want to watch that. It's not going to be good. You just think, I know the story already. That's true. That's right. Fair. And it's about a miracle on 34th Street. Well, essentially, it's about this very cynical mom, her cynical daughter. There's this basically mall-based Santa that actually believes and may be the actual Santa Claus. No way. And so it really becomes sort of this push-pull <laughs> between, you know, whether this guy is Santa or not. And and not only is Santa trying to convince the, the little girl, the mom, that he is truly Santa Claus, but it becomes a big old legal issue, too, where the identity of Kris Kringle, that's, that's the name that he goes by, uh, must be decided in court. Wow. Yeah. So it has. So what happens? It has a little bit of everything. I, I mean, since I'm the last it, person who hasn't seen the movie, I cannot spoil it for okay. you. Okay. Well, I'm just going to have to watch it, aren't I? But it's an odd little movie because it has a little bit of everything. It has a little bit of romance. It has. That's true. A little bit of courtroom drama to it. It felt a little like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Okay. Places. It has sort of that. That. I was type thinking of Law vibe. and Order, but there's not a don don in there no, anywhere. No, no, no. Nowhere. Not that in, nowhere in there. And it was quite delightful, I must say. Now, oddly enough, for a movie made in 1947, it has some issues that, like, parents would want to be aware of. Okay, like what? Drunk Santa Claus. Drunk Santa Claus. I love how you added a syllable to that word. (laughs) Drunk. Drunk Santa Claus. (laughs) And there was a line, and you'll, you'll read this in our review. Actually, Adam and I reviewed both of these movies, so you can check them out online. Uh, And we're going to be reviewing more older movies and classics as well. Indeed. So keep coming back. So, uh, so there was a line in the movie that actually kind of struck me. It was talking about how faith is 
is when you believe in something even when common sense tells you not to. Hmm. That had some pretty interesting philosophical, theological implications that are worth, I think, like if parents decide to take their kids, to flip this on their TV and watch it with their take kids. Take them to the living room. Take them to the living room, flop them down in front of the TV and watch this together. That's an interesting line to sort of unpack from a Christian point of view. Yeah. Okay. So I want to riff on one of the things you just said. Because I think it's an issue when it comes to these older movies. So I said that I haven't seen it. The reality is I've seen about the first 10 minutes because we tried to take our kids to the living room and watch it a couple years ago. We plunked them down on the couch, just like you said, dutifully and plugged in style. And um, (laughs) they were like, this is so boring. (laughs) You got to take that TikTok away from your children. I I know. That's another podcast for another time. (laughs) You're not wrong, okay? But I think it's an issue that when we watch older movies, they're slower. 100%. We're we're like conditioned to everything that we see on a screen. Like you count the number of cuts in a commercial these days, and it might be 50 or 60 shots in 30 seconds. And so how would you speak to just the question of, you know, or the conundrum of parents wanting to show their kids maybe this classic movie, maybe others, and their kids check out. Kristen, I, I see that you, hand. I think you have to condition them. I'm so serious. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. If you are not watching these regularly, if this is not something in your home, I don't think your kids are going to be into it, no matter how much you want them to be, unless you have like a gem of a child that's willing to like <laughs> hang in during these movies. They're just different. They're slower paced. Even when I watched this movie, gosh, a couple years ago, um, who's recommended it. And so I was like watching it and it took me a second as mm-hmm. an adult right. to be like, oh, okay, all right, I'm going to get through this. But I was so glad that I did because I ended up really liking the movie. Yeah. But it's so different. It really is. It almost feels like today, it's almost like watching a foreign movie, right? right. Yep. Where yep. you Well, and it's to, black and white too. And it's, and it's black, black and, and white. white. It's almost in a different sort of language. It's in a different cinematic language than yes. we are used to That's now. a good way to put it. And my experience with foreign movies is that, you know, for a while, like for the first 10, 15 minutes, the the subtitles can be a little bit distracting. Right. You have but to then acclimate you sort of, to it. You have to acclimate it to it. That's exactly right. It's almost like getting into a too warm bathtub and getting used to the temperature, right? So I think that if you... Or too cold. <laughs> I don't want you to actually like chain your kids in, on the couch to watch an old Thank movie. Thank you for that clarification. But, Man, I would have done but, that. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about chaining them to the bathtub and that was going to be very strange. But I do think that it's sort of one of those things that if you allow them to sort of sink into the whole atmosphere, um, it might make it a little bit easier. They might find that they actually like it once they get used to the cadence of the movie. Now, let me say that one thing that struck me about Miracle on 34th Street is how archaic it is, Mm -hmm. right? There is- In what sense? You have malls. We do most of our shopping online now. That is so true. You have this sense of- uh, you have mail to get mm-hmm. back you've to. You've got mail. You've got mail. Ah, you actually have this thing where where a big plot point is sort of furthered by a big bunch of mail being delivered. Because huh. uh, Santa Claus is in this movie. It is almost always like mail where there's going, Santa Claus. <laughs> but it's almost like going into the past, right? Okay. You are looking at almost some sort of a historical document when you watch Miracle on 34th Street because so much of it 
feels unfamiliar to us. So, Paul, this is one of those movies, and Kristen, you can weigh in on this too, not just Paul. Um, this is one of those movies that ends up on everybody's like all-time Christmas classic list. Do you think the reputation is justified? Ooh, that's a And great why or why question. not? That's a great not question. Not that we want to throw it under the bus, but... Yeah, this is... Compared to the movie we're going to be talking about next, yes, I don't think it quite lives up to It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, It is a very funny and sweet movie. It's very watchable. It clearly um, had some thought behind it when it, was, when it was made. It was made, actually, in the very same year that It's a Wonderful Life was. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the level of its quality, I think it's definitely in the top ten. I wouldn't say it's number one or two or three. Well, okay. it's lighter than It's a Wonderful Life. It is lighter. And I think it's lighter than its remake as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is probably a reason that people enjoy it. So have you, you know? seen the remake? Oh, yeah. So of course she what has. did you think about it? Had, compare those two movies. Um, I really liked it. I mean, as a kid, it didn't feel as archaic. When you did know, it like, come out? I don't even know. 1994. Yeah, 94. Okay. Stars Richard Attenborough. Yes. Right? From uh-huh. Jurassic Park. From Jurassic Park, yeah. the the old grandpa. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought a dinosaur was going to come out, but it didn't. So that was helpful. Um, no, I watched I watched the remake and really enjoyed it. But I do looking back now, having watched the original, it is lighter, and I I think that's true of a lot of older films. Even though sometimes they'll be like smoking and people are drunk because that was apparently quite normal. Um, I mean, really, yeah. it, it, like mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. things are thrown in. You're like, ah, yeah, okay. Yep. Um, but it's weird because that even in the new one. Um, I remember like one of the things that stuck out to me was that Santa gets um accosted on like at on the street. Yeah, yeah. And in the remake, someone accuses him of being a pedophile. Oh my goodness. Yes. Wow. And that wasn't a thing in the original. No. So no, like no. we're just kind of trading off like is it better to be drunk or you know like it's yeah. one of these things that's like thrown into the movies. And so it's interesting because the original Having watched it, it really is lighter. And like I was saying, like mm-hmm. I think that is true across the board. There are sometimes there are heavier subjects. Yeah, they're dealt with differently. Yeah, in older films. Yeah, one of the interesting things about about that lightness, yeah. you know, it is lighter. It is it is sweeter. And I think you can sort of explain that a little bit in the era in which it was made, nineteen forty seven. Yeah, you know, right. we're coming off the heels of yes. World War Two. Yes. Yeah, the beginning of the baby boom. People, everybody was happy. I, At least theoretically, I think people were dealing with a lot of trauma. People right. yeah, were I not happy. That. Yeah, people, people wanted to be happy. happy, and so they go to theaters for a little bit of an escape. Mm-hmm. And Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, which actually came out in June, believe it or not, mm-hmm. was a nice bit of escape for those nineteen forty seven audiences. I think okay. you can kind of see that. Like, so it's a wonderful life. Are we are we allowed to go yeah, there? Yeah, let's go there. Um, so that movie. I remember the first time I watched it, actually. It was like the first time I ever hung out with for my me, husband. For me, it was yesterday. Oh. Well, for Adam, it was yesterday. <laughs> it was the first time I ever hung out with my husband. So I have like really, really? fond memories. Aww. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. It was very sweet. But I, I remember watching it and really, really loving it. But it, it does... It, I don't even know how to describe it, Paul. I think you're doing a better job at this, but like it's lighter than modern films that I think would have dealt with the same subject mm-hmm. with suicide or right. the contemplation of suicide. Right. Um, but the, this is heavy and it kind of walks through this idea of what life would have been like without this man. Yeah. So tell in us the a world. little bit about what the movie is actually yeah. about. So it's about a man named George Bailey, who, of course, has played 
uh, by Jimmy Stewart. And I haven't seen very many Jimmy Stewart movies. I know who he is, obviously. He was delightful. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the longer the movie played, the more you just love the guy. And so I think it was kind of that aha moment for me. Because sometimes you watch things that everybody's hyped up about and you're like, well, I didn't think it was all that, Mm. you know, and you can feel either like a curmudgeon or kind of smug or both. (laughs) If you're me, you're a smug curmudgeon. Um, It's really obnoxious, actually. Um, He plays a man who has huge dreams. He wants to travel. Mm -hmm. He wants to leave his little, you know, boring hometown of Bedford Falls behind. And every time he sort of is on the verge of stepping into his dream obligation calls of Mm -hmm. some kind, Uh, you know, giving money to his brother to go to college or stepping into man, the family business, which is a a small sort of independent loan company. Mm -hmm. And the main villain in the story, Mr. Potter is sort of like your Scroogean villain. He's just this two dimensional sort of melodramatic, you know, I don't think he has a mustache, but it, it would have fit him, right? You know, he sort of takes pleasure in being greedy and evil. And he can't stand George Bailey. And he's always trying to thwart him. And George Bailey is this this model of goodness mm-hmm. who keeps relinquishing what he wants. And finally, it becomes obvious He's never getting out of Bedford Falls. Yeah, yeah. It's a great setup for this movie, right? Yeah. The, the big turning point, yes. I guess you would say, is when the evil character, Mr. Potter, played yes. by the great Lionel Barrymore. Right, the great Lionel Barrymore. Yeah. Who's related to Drew Barrymore, I'm guessing. Correct, correct. The whole Barrymore family. I'm not exactly sure the relation. The whole okay. Barrymore family is super, super famous. Uh, but he comes across the money that is supposed to be deposited right. in in George Bailey's business. Right. Without that money, the business all of a sudden becomes insolvent. And yep. so there's a run on this bank. Yep. And all of a sudden... George Bailey thinks that he is going to be scandalized. Right. The business is going to fall. All the people who have depended on him are not going to be able to do what they need to do. Right. Plus, Mr. Potter is actively trying to frame him. Correct. And Correct. and wants to get him sent to, to prison yeah. because he wants to basically suggest the accusation that... George Bailey pocketed the $8,000 himself, which absolutely is not what happened. So he decides that maybe the only way out is by getting the life insurance policy. And the the only way he can get that life insurance policy is by killing himself. Mm-hmm. So it Well, is Potter very... at one point says, you're worth more dead than alive. Mm-hmm. And it shows the power of suggestion, right? right? That when right. we're in these moments of despair, if the wrong person says the wrong thing... yeah. Those ideas can be powerful. But then the movie twists. It right? does twist. It twists right there. And all of a sudden it becomes this really glorious Christmas fantasy in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, where, where George Bailey gets a chance to see just the impact that he's had on the world. He does. And, and I should also say that the very beginning of the movie starts with we hear the prayers of a number of people who know George Bailey and mm-hmm. know that he is in trouble. And those prayers are answered by these lovely pulsing stars and they send Clarence, a, you know, second class angel who doesn't have his wings Wings, yet (laughs) um, to to try to help George Bailey. And so that's the fantasy part is that 
we're about three fourths of the way through the movie before Clarence the Angel yeah. shows up and begins to sort of launch into this thought experiment of here's what life would have been like if you hadn't been here. And it sort of turns into the butterfly effect at that point, right? <laughs> it really does. So so you mentioned early on that, that you enjoyed this movie maybe I did. more than you thought you would. Way more. It really worked on me. So why did it work? Well, it worked on me because we see George at the end of a traumatic day. And it's really traumatic. It wasn't just a bad day at the office. Yeah. It's, I'm going to lose everything, you know, that matters to me. But he comes home and he takes it out on his wife and kids and he's harsh and he makes them cry and he breaks things. He he really just totally pitches a fit. And I think as parents, we all have days that at some point we come home and we're not we're not good. Right. We're not kind. We don't listen to our kids and we tre- and we take out the trouble of that day on our kids. Mm-hmm. And I just felt convicted by that. I'm like, I, I have been George Bailey, not in the sense that I have thought about jumping off a bridge and needed an angel to talk me off the ledge. But from the perspective of, man, you know, you have a hard day and you lose perspective. And mm-hmm. this is a movie about how do you get perspective? Right. Yeah, I agree right. with that. I think the first time I saw it, it really struck me that, like he gets to see the good that he's done and not everyone it's like like you were saying it's the perspective not everyone gets that chance right or yeah. or has the the time to sit down and kind of reflect like what would it have looked like had i not done these things and it's yep. not necessarily just about him but his value to other people right. in their life well and his brother comes home from world war 2 and is decorated with a medal mm-hmm. of honor because Huge war hero. because he's a war hero and he saved a boat full of guys from an attack and I think that we can want to define our, our lives by that sort of order of magnitude of triumph, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this movie does is it shows you yeah. that it's the small yes. ongoing acts of kindness that maybe maybe we don't even remember that, that are the things that make the difference in people's lives. Yeah. For me, it becomes a, a prism through which to see the difference between being a great man Hmm. and being a good man. Yeah. And when you look at the movie as a whole, you see this desire in George Bailey to be a great man. He wants to do important things. He wants Mm -hmm. to see the world, travel, see things, all these things. Uh, His brother is a great man in that he's a war hero. You could argue that Mr. Potter, because of his wealth, he is a great man. Mm -hmm. Right. But when it comes to true value in this world, Mm -hmm. and I think this is what the Bible teaches us. Yeah. Goodness is what we should be shooting for. Well, and the other good character in the movie is George's dad and also his wife, Mary. They're good in different ways. Mary's mm-hmm. long-suffering and, and good and kind, but he kind of poo-poos his dad's sort of humdrum goodness. But Who it, I don't think we meet in the movie, do we? No, we do. Yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's there. Um, and George slowly realizes what an amazing person yeah. his father was. And again, that sort of everyday goodness it doesn't call attention to itself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, as we read in scripture, it's not a clanging gong or a symbol saying, look at me. It's just kind of, yeah. it's kind of there and it makes an enormous difference. So I honestly can say, and I am a little bit surprised 
I will look forward to watching it again. And I think I'd like to watch it with my kids so that they don't have to wait till they're 53 to see it. Well, but I think it's going to have to be something that parents, you know, this is a tradition that parents keep in their home if Mm -hmm. if you want to, because that's not really going to resonate with kids. Mm -hmm. And so we can look at it now and and really appreciate the storyline. But as a child, be like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't think small children are going to connect with this movie. Right now, my kids are 13, 15, and 17. And I think they're all old enough that they would be able to connect with the themes here. So, yeah, yeah, a six-year-old ain't going to get it, probably. But I think as as your kids get closer to being teens, maybe there's a connection there. This is one movie that I do try to watch every single year. And I will admit that Every single time, I'm surprised at how close it it, how good it is. Every year, I'm like, I've seen this every year, and it never seems to get old. You think, oh, I know all the beats to this movie, and you do. And yet, when you see George on that bridge, you know, choke up, man, Jimmy Stewart is so good. You see that emotion, and he's weirdly tall. He is very tall, but you have this (laughs) sense of of you can feel him go through. The pain, the grief, yep. the the terror, the anger, yeah. and ultimately the joy. Yep. And because of the job that he does, it it even just talking about it makes me get a little bit choked a up. A little bit misty. Yeah. Let me circle back and then we're going to stick the landing on this one. I just want to mention something that Kristen brought up earlier when we were talking about Miracle on 34th Street. Content-wise... Um, a fair bit of drinking and a lot of smoking again, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're in some ways they're depicted as a vice. Uh, You know, one of the things that happens when we get this thought experiment of what if Georgia never existed is the entire town basically turns into something like Las Vegas. It's just saloons and burlesque clubs and people drinking and smoking and fighting. Um, But even apart from that, we see a lot of people smoking and yeah. a lot of people drinking and just just remembering that those were elements that that was just a part of culture back then and nobody really seemed to think much about it. So it's yeah. interesting yeah. to just observe where the culture was at back and, then. And again, a little reminder, it's a dark, difficult movie in a lot of ways. You know, I think that... Yeah, I mean, it does deal with suicide. It deals with suicide. That is that is the crux on which this whole movie turns. So yeah. um, you've got to be aware of some of those themes before you dive into it, I think. Totally. That's right. Well, speaking of themes and diving... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Very nice. I, I think we'll uh, we'll move on to our second segment. Paul, if I were a boy in a boat, which boat would I be in and why? And why would anybody be interested in the fact that I was in that particular boat? It so you like a math word problem, doesn't I it? Know, I you know. You don't want to answer. Know, right? It's very yeah. complicated, but I think I know what you're getting at. It's uh, the boat. What, what happens in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the deal with the boat, Paul? The boat that you would be getting into would be a very large boat. It would have room for nine people, essentially. Ooh. Eight rowers and a person who shouts at them to make them go faster. Oh, I would want to be that person. <laughs> yeah, <so fun. laughs> yeah, he even has a little megaphone attached to his... Uh, you should get one of those for the office. Should. That would be super fun. Row harder, Paul. Super Ramming fun. speed. That's from Ben Hur. So, <laughs> it is, yeah. So anyway, the Boys in the Boat, it's based on a book, which is in turn based on a true story of this 1936 rowing team. Uh, the, it's a team from Washington University. Uh, in Washington? In Washington State. It's coached by Al Ulbrichsen. Woo. Yeah. 
It's a good uh, Scandinavian name. That is a mouthful. And essentially, he's trying to bring his team, his collegiate team, up to the ranks of, you know, the elite boating teams in the country, which at that time consists of of USC, Cal, uh, all the Ivy League schools have a good rowing team. Of course. And they're all captained by somebody named Biff. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Is it's interesting Biff? that you mentioned that. No, no, but it does make a big deal. This rowing team in Washington, typically it is a rich man's sport, right? right? You have all these elite moneyed people from these Ivy League schools. And who they row. Go, they row. They <laughs> row very, very rowingly and richly. Um, the kids who do the rowing in Washington um, are blue collar Guys, we rode out of need. Come on, boys. The need to stay in school, the need to eat, to sleep. We gotta keep these right as long as we stay on the team. They're going to school to get a better life for themselves. This takes place right in the middle of the Great Depression. And the main character that we focus in on, who's in the boat, is this guy named Joe Rance. His dad actually deserted him, left to find work somewhere else when he was 14, and he's been on his own since he was 14. Oh, wow. He joins this rowing crew in order to make the money to stay in school. Hmm. Um, So it becomes this parable, I guess, of these hardworking, downtrodden college kids going against these upper-ups. So it's basically Rocky in a boat? It kind of is. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, There's a lot of... Thank you for that. I I figured you might disagree with me, but... No, no. Again, it's Christmas time. I'm trying to be generous. Um, (laughs) It it has all those inspirational beats that you would find in a movie. Was it good? Because I saw the commercial and actually wanted to see it. It is quite good. And George Clooney, is he in it? Did he have something to do with it? Yes, he directed it. He okay. is not in it. Uh, it well, that's is, a shame because it feels like he should be in it. It seems like he should be, and I was surprised that he wasn't. Uh, Joel Edgerton plays the coach. He okay. does a great job with it. Uh, but And you would think that that would have been the George Clooney character, but he is nowhere to be found. Hmm. Um, and it really revolves around these kids learning how to work together as one. So that all sounds very good. Is there a but here but, from a plugged-in perspective? But there's always a but. <laughs> so it does have some language. It, this is a PG-13 movie. It yeah. has some language issues that you're going to need to be aware of. These are also college kids, college athletic kids, which means that they are going to be tempted in various directions. So you're going to have a little bit of sensual content. You're going to have girlfriends on the scene and sometimes the guys and the girls. Where you have girlfriends, you know there are problems. So it doesn't wow. have anything... <laughs> Not really, not really. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. I know. <laughs> you don't see anything, but you do know that sometimes these guys do sneak off with their girlfriends, okay. right? So you have you have some elements like that that you need to be aware of. But when you talk about the inspirational points of this movie, the idea of these eight men rowing as one, the idea of them all working toward a common goal. Man, this feels like the kind of movie you could sink your teeth into. It's really, yeah, it's a, it's a strong movie that will leave you smiling. And that's kind of rare today. That's great. And of course... You can read Paul's full review at PluggedIn.com. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call Pop Culture Connection. 
We are, of course, joined by Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. She's going to ask us some questions that have something to do with pop culture. And our job is to put our fast brains on oh, and yes. to give as many answers as possible right. as quickly as possible. Curses. And I think I got like 14 last week, right? Wow. I think so. I think you're overestimating. No, I 14, think I did. I, I don't I'm think I'm feeling so. like I'm on a good streak here, oh, but it's all goodness. question dependent. So, Ashley, take it away. All right, Kristen. You're up first. <laughs> Rip the Band-Aid off. Nervous right, laughter. Do you prefer music or podcasts and why? Probably music. I really enjoy podcasts. I feel like music you can get lost in. A lot of it's nostalgic. Um, I really like well-written music, so I think lyrics really matter. Um, I usually like to know a little bit about the artists themselves. Um, oh my goodness. A music allows you to escape. Um, where you can kind of like become part of it and you can put it on while you're like cleaning, which I do all the time and kind of block out the world. My husband's taking care of screaming <laughs> kids. Can't really do that with a podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. Nice. I got six points. All right. Good job. Very solid start. You know, yes. that Adam got 22 points last week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It was 14. It was 14. Yes. All right. Paul, you're yes. up next. Okay. I'm all ready. Right. I left my fast thinking brain at home, but we'll try. You've got this. All right. Who do you consider to be the best TV show character from the 70s and why? Oh, man. You know, the good answer would be Archie Bunker. But I'm mm. going to go Spider-Man because there was a live action, very short lived live action show about Spider-Man. And he was great because he had these mirrored little eyeballs. Yeah. So you could see yourself in them. I think there was one <laughs> season where they had sort of like a vent thing. Um, but he could jump. He could leap. He could spin webs. He could... Uh, run around in his sort of wrinkly Spider-Man outfit. Doesn't look quite it as good like as Spider-Man today. It was like pajamas. It was yes. not CGI. Yeah. No, it was not. It, it, I saw actually not too long ago, a couple of years ago, I saw the the trailer, like the commercial for it. Yeah. Oh man, it looked it's really terrible. So but I bad. loved it back then. Well, it's like you know, Lou Ferrigno spray painted green as the Hulk, right? <laughs> it was awesome. You wouldn't yes, like indeed. me when I'm angry. Do, 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 do. All right. I'll sing the theme song. Adam. Yes. If we can get some jingle bell sound effects in here. Oh, yeah. Jingle bells. All right. The best <laughs> Christmas movie of all time and why? Uh, it would be Elf because oh, Will Ferrell, yes. uh, the coffee joke, he runs into a wall that that seems kind of inappropriate. <laughs> um, he talks to a walrus and the walrus says, bye, buddy. Hope you, you find, find your, your dad. dad. Um, and that's just, it's so quotable. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the four food groups, which all have sugar in them. I won't go through them all. Um, Will Ferrell thinks he's an elf, and Bob Newhart. Right. We have Bob Newhart True. is in there. That's one point. Um, and uh, also that one guy who died recently, who's his dad. Ed Asner? No. Oh, James James Wood. James Conn. James Conn. Yeah. Not James Wood. Yes, yeah. James Conn. Nice. How after you just watched It's a Wonderful Life would Elf still? No, Adam oh, wins. He wins. He wins. Yes. No. How many points? Pass off. Ten. Good job, Adam. Nice. You're on Yay. a roll. It feels so Next good week about it'll that. be 38. I mean, that just feels like a <laughs> feels like a Christmas present to me. And we hope that this podcast has been a Christmas present to you. Aww. We love getting together each week to talk about entertainment and pop culture. Our desire is that it would connect with you, our listener, whatever you're doing. Maybe like Kristen, you are cleaning your house. Maybe you're driving somewhere. Maybe you're 
walking the dog or going for a run, I wouldn't be going for a run, but perhaps you are. <laughs> we hope that this is a point of, of encouragement and equipping and that it gives you just some practical things to think about as you navigate the realm of pop culture and entertainment with your family. And not only do we love the fact that you have joined us listening, we would love to hear from you. What Christmas classic movies are your favorites? What did you think about the ones that we talk about today? Would you pick Elf or It's a Wonderful Life? I mean, there's an interesting question, right? We want to hear from you, and here's how you can get in touch with us. If you go to thepluggedinshow.com, you can leave us a voicemail with your answer, and we might even use it on a future show, or reach out to us at team at thepluggedinshow.com and let us know what you think and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today and this year. Merry Christmas. We are glad that uh, that you have joined us today and we're looking forward to a whole nother year of The Plugged In Show as we roll in to 2024. So come back and spend some time with us again. Thanks. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the back seat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.